Hello and welcome to the Anglo-Saxons in their own words. My name is Danny. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the first recording we have of the Vikings invading Anglo-Saxon England. Then we're going to get to talking about one of Anglo-Saxon England's most famous characters, if not the most famous, King Alfred the Great of Wessex. We'll start with the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, which records the first instances of Vikings coming to England. And then we'll move over to Asser's life of Alfred and introduce you to this famous character. Let's begin. The first entry we have of Vikings coming to England is in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, dated A.D. 787. This year, King Bertric took Edburga, the daughter of Offa, to wife. And in his days came first three ships of the Northmen from the land of robbers. The reeve then rode thereto, and would drive them to the king's town, for he knew not what they were, and there he was slain. These were the first ships of the Danish men that sought the land of the English nation. Our next account of Viking activity comes in A.D. 793. This year came dreadful forewarnings over the land of the Northumbrians, terrifying the people most woefully. These were immense sheets of light rushing through the air, and whirlwinds and fiery dragons flying across the firmament. These tremendous tokens were soon followed by a great famine, and not long after, on the sixth day before the Ides of January in the same year, the harrowing inroads of heathen men made lamentable havoc in the Church of God in Holy Island by rapine and slaughter. Siga died on the eighth day before the Calends of March. A.D. 794. This year died Pope Adrian, and also Offa, King of Mercia, on the fourth day before the Ides of August, after he had reigned forty winters. Ethelred, King of the Northumbrians, was slain by his own people on the thirteenth day before the Calends of May, in consequence of which, Bishops Cholwulf and Aidbald retired from the land. Everth took to the government of Mercia, and died the same year. Edbert, whose other name was Prynne, obtained the kingdom of Kent, and alderman Ethelherd died on the calends of August. In the meantime, the heathen armies spread devastation among the Northumbrians, and plundered the monastery of King Everth at the mouth of the Ware. There, however, some of their leaders were slain, and some of their ships were also shattered to pieces by the violence of the weather. Many of the crew were drowned, and some, who escaped alive to the shore, were soon dispatched at the mouth of the river. Alright, so with these entries, we officially have the start of the Viking invasions. What would start as some small raids and skirmishes on the coastline would turn into all-out war over the next century, as the Vikings would continue to come in bigger and bigger groups, and they would start to have even pitched battles with the Anglo-Saxons. Over time, the Scandinavians would begin to even change some of the customs in Anglo-Saxon England and influence the language. Basically, the most important thing from this is to know that Anglo-Saxon England would never be the same after this point. But, the Viking invasion gives one of our most famous characters his chance to shine. The reason Alfred is so great, and the reason he's been remembered, is because he was widely regarded as the one king of Anglo-Saxon England who was able to resist the Viking incursions 
which would eventually overwhelm most of the kingdoms around him. Now, before we jump into the life of Alfred, I want to read you one more entry from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle that talks about Alfred's grandfather, King Egbert of Wessex. AD 827 This year was the moon eclipsed on midwinter's mass night, and King Egbert, in the course of the same year, conquered the Mercian kingdom and all that is south of the Humber, being the eighth king who was sovereign of all the British dominions. Ayla, king of the South Saxons, was the first who possessed so large a territory. The second was Chollin, king of the West Saxons. The third was Ethelbert, king of Kent. The fourth was Raidwald, king of the East Angles. The fifth was Edwin, king of the Northumbrians. The sixth was Oswald, who succeeded him. The seventh was Oswy, the brother of Oswald. The eighth was King Egbert, king of the West Saxons. This same Egbert led an army against the Northumbrians as far as Dor, where they met him, and offered terms of obedience and subjection, on the acceptance of which they returned home. Okay, now, the reason I wanted to mention this is that you should know Egbert was a pretty powerful guy, and he was Alfred's grandfather. So even though he actually wasn't in line to succeed to the West Saxon throne, he actually became king of Wessex and subsequently conquered other places around him, or at least brought them into his sphere of influence so that they were paying tribute to him. However, what I really wanted to include here, and it's mostly just an aside, is I find it really funny that they mention all of these Brett Waldas, all of these kings of all the British dominions, but they don't mention Penda or Offa of Mercia. In fact, it's actually kind of funny, I think, that they mention Oswald, who barely reigned 10 years and was killed by Penda. But a lot of scholars believe the reason for this is, generally the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle is so Wessex-biased that they won't do much to ever praise Mercia because they were bitter enemies. Right before this, um, before Egbert succeeds to the throne, Offa was king of Mercia. And at this point, Mercia is the most powerful kingdom in Anglo-Saxon England. So I just think it's kind of funny that they didn't mention that. Um, But it is important for you to know who Egbert was and that he was Alfred's grandfather. So, that's enough for that. Let's move on to Alfred. Annals of the Reign of Alfred the Great by Asser Translated by J.A. Giles In the year of our Lord's incarnation, 849, was born Alfred, king of the Anglo-Saxons, at the royal village of Wanting in Berkshire, which country has its name from the wood of Barrock, where the box tree grows most abundantly. His genealogy is traced in the following order. King Alfred was the son of King Ethelwolf, who was the son of Egbert, who was the son of Aelmund, who was the son of Eoffa, who was the son of Eoppa, who was the son of Ingild. Ingild and Inna, the famous king of the West Saxons, were two brothers. Inna went to Rome, and there ending this life honorably entered the heavenly kingdom to reign there forever with Christ. Ingild and Inna were the sons of Conred, who was the son of Chilwald, who was the son of Cudum, who was the son of Cuthwin, who was the son of Chollin, who was the son of Chinerich, who was the son of Creoda, who was the son of Churdich, 
who was the son of Elisa, who was the son of Guus, from whom the Britons name all that nation Gegwis, who was the son of Brond, who was the son of Beldeg, who was the son of Woden. Okay, I'm going to save you guys the rest of the genealogy from Woden, Asser Traces, Alfred's genealogy, all the way back past the pagan god Geet to Adam, the first man. So, yeah, Alfred, son of Ethelwolf, son of Egbert, who is descended from Woden, who is descended from Adam. That's Alfred's genealogy, as recorded by Asser. Moving on to the next paragraph. The mother of Alfred was named Osburga, a religious woman, noble by birth and by nature. She was daughter of Oslac, the famous butler of King Ethelwolf, which Oslac was a Goth by nation, descended from the Goths and the Jutes, of the seed namely of Stuff and Witgar, two brothers and counts, who, having received possession of the Isle of Wight from their uncle, King Churdich, and his son Chinerich, their cousin, slew the British inhabitants whom they could find in that island at a place called Gwitgarabura. For the other inhabitants of the island had either been slain or escaped into exile. In the year of our Lord's incarnation, 851, which was the third after the birth of King Alfred, Churl, Earl of Devon, fought with the men of Devon against the pagans at a place called Wickenburg. And the Christians gained the victory. And that same year, the pagans first wintered in the island called Shepi, which means the Sheep Isle, and is situated in the River Thames between Essex and Kent, but is nearer to Kent than to Essex. It has in it a fine monastery. The same year also, a great army of the pagans came with 350 ships to the mouth of the River Thames and sacked Doroburnia, which is the city of the Cantorians, and also the city of London, which lies on the north bank of the River Thames on the confines of Essex and Middlesex. But yet that city belongs in truth to Essex, and they put to flight Berthwolf, king of Mercia, with all the army which he had led out to oppose them. So, Alfred is born into a time when Viking raids are really an issue for the Anglo-Saxons. Which is actually a pretty interesting thing to note, is that Alfred would have never known a time where the Vikings weren't an issue in England. From the time of his birth, all the way to the time of his death, Scandinavian invaders were an issue. Okay, I'll end this episode with one more quick story from Alfred's childhood, which Asa records, in the year 853. In the same year, King Ethelwolf sent his son Alfred, above named, to Rome, with an honorable escort both of nobles and commoners. Pope Leo IV at that time presided over the Apostolic See, and he anointed for king the aforesaid Alfred, and adopted him as his spiritual son. The same year also, Earl Ailhera, with the men of Kent, and Huda, with the men of Surrey, fought bravely and resolutely against an army of the pagans in the island, which is called in the Saxon tongue, Tenet, but Ruim in the British language. The battle lasted a long time, and many fell on both sides, and also were drowned in the water, and both the earls were there slain. In the same year also, after Easter, Ethelwolf, king of the West Saxons, gave his daughter to Burgred, king of the Mercians, and the marriage was celebrated royally at the royal ville of Chippenham. So that's pretty cool, right? It says that King Ethelwolf sent Alfred to the Pope, 
and the Pope anoints Alfred to be king. Now, one thing that we might not think of when reading this is Alfred actually has four older brothers. And actually, in the above paragraph, Alfred's brother Ethelstan is mentioned. I just find it kind of interesting that this would be recorded when Alfred's not directly in line for the throne. I mean, he's got four brothers who are ahead of him, who, as we know, would subsequently die. So, did Pope Leo know Alfred was meant to become king? I'm sure he was a pretty holy guy. Maybe he had some foresight that other people didn't. But I'll leave that up to you guys to decide. So there you have it. We have accounts from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle recording the entry of Scandinavian invaders into Anglo-Saxon England. And we have, from Asser, the first five years of King Alfred's life. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me at the Anglo-Saxon Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.